Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, program today's. The program is called Today's Issues. Come on, Tim, you can do it. <laughs> today's Issues, and we got 25 minutes left on this live program. I'm Tim with Ed and Fred. And Steve now joins us. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, everybody. Steve Jordahl, uh, and we, we uh, thank you for listening to American Family Radio. Steve, what do you got? Well, I just got off the phone with uh, Pastor Ivan Bespalov in Kiev. He's pastor of Holy Trinity Presbyterian Church there. And um, I asked him a couple questions. I wanted to play you. I have four cuts. We might not get to all of them, but I wanted to start with this. He, I asked him basically what does it uh, look like on the ground right now in uh, Kiev. And this is what he said, cut 15. Uh, the situation is getting somewhat tense, uh, even uh, hotter than a day ago, it is very evident that the circle of the Russian army is getting tighter, and uh, we we occasionally hear blasts of explosions. Uh, the defense units they started uh, digging trenches uh, right uh, near our apartment buildings. So it seems like Ukrainian army and uh, defense detachments uh, they are bracing for for a major attack it might happen within the next 24 or so hours so they're digging in this was this morning you talked just to about uh, half an hour ago okay. well yeah why uh let me ask you this guy have you guys been following this like the 20 last 24 hours like what's been happening mm-hmm. i i yeah. haven't that's why i'm yeah. asking they've taken the port city of kirsten in the okay. last 24 hours is that significant? Well, it's it's they're, they're, the Russian army is doing extremely well in the uh, southern part of Ukraine and along that eastern border as well. That's where they're focusing right now. Uh, there's some talk where they'd like to take Odessa, but they don't want to do a lot of damage there because it's a great revenue source if the Russians take that over. But uh, they're, they're focusing in on those Baltic ports and then along the eastern seaboard. That's their focus. But as we heard from the pastor there, that's not to say there isn't a contingent of, of the Russian army that's moving in on Kiev, the capital. Steve, I, I don't know the pastor at all. I was just listening to his voice. And you talked you talked to him two or three times now? This is the second interview I've done with him. Because we you played the other one yesterday, yesterday or the day right? before. Yeah. Uh, he sounds defeated. He does, but he's not. Um, he uh, well, or, or, or he sounds depressed. I'm, I'm sure, just, I'm just telling yeah. you my reaction to his well, voice, and or, or and or exhausted. He's Presbyterian, so he's not going to be like Pentecostal when he talks. But um, so no, uh, he that said was a stereotype. Uh, know, probably right? undeserved, Chris. <laughs> I mean, Steve. So, but yeah. anyway, so um, he, I asked him. He's staying, and he is signed up to help defend the country. Although. He is not. He has decided he's not going to carry uh, any arms. He's against that. And if I uh, was, I talked to him. I asked him if he had heard of. We have a. Uh, you know the story about the medic. I guess it was in in Vietnam or World War II that got the 
He was a conscientious that objector. Was World War Two. World War Two. Conscientious. How do you exec- fight without weapons? Well, he was a medic, no, and, and he but, rescued but, people off of the field, and he got the <clears throat> Congressional Medal of Honor without they, they ever had a firing movie, a they shot. They had a movie about that. Yeah, they yes. did. So anyway, that's he's going to help distribute food, give spiritual, you know, spiritual counsel. Uh, yeah, but, but he is in the fight. And yeah, he does sound a little quiet, soft spoken. Well, I, 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 listen, I'm I'm saying things, and I don't even know the gentleman. I was I was just, I don't I'm, really I'm, lis- I'm listening to the phone yeah. conversation. He sounds even different than he did two years ago. I'm just saying. I'm sure he's physically and mentally exhausted with it, and I'm just wondering how long these folks can run on adrenaline yeah. as human beings because they are not trained professional soldiers. Yes, Ukraine has an army of such. But what, what we're, we're talking about civilians. Who I was listening yesterday, a guy who was, he was a lawyer, he said, I was in court last week having a trial. A week later, seven days, my world's turned upside down. I'm out here making cock, cocktail. Molotov cocktails? Yeah, so that we can hmm. try to take out the Russian tanks when they come in. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, who's going to jump out there and uh, is this going to turn into street urban warfare where – I mean, and then what happens? Uh, does does Putin just decide, as you said? Well, I mean, he, uh, there's just two basic ch- choices. Well, three. I mean, you could try to starve a city out by just keeping but, it besieged, or you go in and you fight house to house, street to street, with your infantry. For a town of two million people, or you uh, or you use artillery to level it. Wouldn't I mean, you say you they're probably probably they'll just say, listen, either you surrender. Or we're going to knock out the. We're going to give you two days to surrender officially. Get out, get out here, and get in the street and submit to the uh, Russian government. Or we're going to uh, bomb the bomb the bomb the bomb the block or whatever. Is that how? Well, I, that that's how else there, gonna there, aren't a whole, there aren't a whole lot of choices here when you have the capital city surrounded. You know, this is uh, I said the other day. This is like the dog catching the car. <laughs> You know, because Putin's a, Putin's the dog, and Ukraine's the car, and he's now you. It's kind of like now what? You, you you're gonna are you gonna occupy a country for years and years by occupy? I mean, keep your forces there, your military with checkpoints to make people submit, and you're talking about a country of forty million people, or whatever it is, uh, who hate your guts. What what? What kind of victory is that? You know what I'm saying. That was the reality on the ground for 40 years after World War II, during the U.S. Uh, the time of the USSR. Though, I mean, the, Russia basically occupied Ukraine during that era, era, and the people there didn't have a whole lot of better. The infrastructure for that kind of a, a of an occupation is in place. I, I I would say. Well, we have a people who've tasted freedom now. Yes. So they're willing. A lot of them are willing to fight to the death for it. Yes. That's what Putin's put his put his army up against. Maybe he can fund it for eternity, and maybe they can uh, occupy the streets from now. Ten years from now, we're going. Well, uh, Russians are still occupying Ukraine. Uh, well, that's why what uh, the president of Volodymyr uh, Zelensky of Ukraine. That's why he's so important, because I think what Putin wanted was a fairly quick surrender. Zelensky would not, you know, he'd flee the country, go to safety. The fact that he is staying 
and that he is with his troops and has said, I'm going to die with my troops, that complicates the issue for for Putin because what Putin needs is for Zelensky and the Ukrainian government to surrender and to accept terms by which the Ukrainian people still are free, but they're going to, there's going to be a pro-Russian government running Ukraine that will not join NATO. I this think that's Zelensky, the end result that Putin wants. This Zelensky guy is really fascinating. He was holding court today, um, the whole uh, first hour of what? our show here, holding court. Uh, he was uh, figuratively. A, figuratively speaking. I guess literally as well, I suppose. But um, he was having a press conference. And he was speaking very animatedly in, in Ukrainian, and I every so often jumped in. But let me tell you about this guy. First of all, he's Jewish, uh, the first Jewish president of Ukraine. Um, he started out, before he went into acting, he got a law degree from the uh, uh, Kiev National Economic University. Should I keep talking, or do we want to pause for a well, second? I think we okay. might need to. <laughs> I, 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 we're, we're taking a, a break. Hi. We'll take a 60-second time out here, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Steve <laughs> will be back with commentary in just a moment, but we have a cute baby commercial right now. <laughs> for those watching on the Internet, YouTube, or Facebook, uh, where, where where should I put my cute granddaughter? Okay. This is number. This is grandchild number. How many do we have? Asking Allison, my wife, huh? We have 10 total, huh? Because I'm praying at night, I get to number six and just say, God bless grandchild number seven. You know who, you know their names, Lord. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't keep up. Sounds like a my scene kids, from The Sound of Music. <laughs> my kids, well, it is, my kids keep spitting out kids, children. Yeah. <laughs> Be fruitful, multiply. <laughs> they take that literally. Uh, anyway, uh, so this is, uh, Anna Wesley, while a uh, while man, oh, this she's is this beauty. Is, yeah, this is and she's smiling at me. This is Wesley and Chelsea's uh, daughter, and uh, her name is Anna Wesley. Anna, oh. uh, I've never heard that name before, but anyway, I just said that on air. So she, huh? So anyway, <laughs> sorry, she's got. Uh, so there she is. Is that not a cute baby right there? I tell you what, huh? yep, sure. So, all right, beautiful. We yeah, back to, to the discussion of war. Yeah, back to back to real life war. And oh, man. Uh, I thought we'd need a little break, but she was in studio. Uh, Allison brought her in studio, so I wanted to show her off. Hey, Brent, yeah. what happened to our our viewership on uh, the internet when <laughs> the baby was on? When it shot, shot up. up. There you go. <laughs> now back would. to the four old guys, and our viewership depletes. <laughs> Nobody wants to. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Steve. Well, okay, so he's Jewish, first Jewish president. Before he um, got into entertainment, he was a comedian and an actor. Before he did that, he got a law degree from the uh, National Economic University in Kiev. It's a renaissance man. I know. So then he starts as a comedian. Moves into acting. He played several roles. Currently, actually, he is still the voice of Paddington Bear in that country's, the Ukrainian version of that film franchise. Uh, was in several um, fairly successful movies. And then uh, wrote a show called uh, the... Called the, the Servant of the People. Please forgive me. The, the name of the movie is Servant of the People. And it, it, a couple uh, different um, uh, television episodes of that and an iteration of that, and very popular. When he finished with the show, 
he formed a political party called Servant of the People and was elected president of Ukraine. As, the, ever, head, as the head of the Servant of the People yes. party. Who, who would have ever thought of an actor becoming president? <laughs> um, so hey, it worked for us once. I, I did. Well. That's right. I asked uh, Ivan Bespalov, Pastor Bespalov, what he thought about his president, and this is cut 13. Uh, he's a president that I voted for, and I uh, even before the war, I saw some character traits in him that present him as, as a good leader. He is not very skillful as a as a politician or as a, as an administrator, but he's a person of integrity. And now, when the situation came. I see that he stepped up to the challenge, and this um, internal integrity that he has really was uh, manifested in the actions he took, in the words he keeps saying, and just his uh, way of of leading the country. So I I respect him, and I think that God gave us a person uh, that would. Uh, be able to to lead the country in a difficult time. Yeah. I think of that verse in Esther for such a time as this. Yeah. Right? You know? Well, I I was surprised. I mean, a lot of, in a lot of cases a leader uh gets out. Mm-hmm. They get out, they take whatever money they can. What the Afghani guy did. That yes. Afghani leader, he left left the country right. because he knew he was going to be killed. Yeah. And, and 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 the same with this this guy, he 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 believes he'll probably die. Putin right. has, has sent in mercenaries to get him, and uh, so I was I got to tell you I was impressed with the fact that he said no, I'm staying, and if I die, I'll die with my soldiers. And his wife has stayed too. His wife and family they have not left. That that is how if if you're gonna if your military is gonna stay, mm. they have to have somebody. Like that, who stays with them? He was yeah. asked about his family. He said he hasn't seen them since the beginning of the about two weeks. So I don't know if they're still there or not. Uh, he's not living with them. Yeah, his the wife moment, and though. two children. Yeah. He has a wife and two children. Yes. right. Correct. Two young children. Correct. Next yeah, he's story. only forty-four. All right. Um, there are two people in the world, at least, well, probably five or six people, but there are two Americans in the world who do not know anything about this war. It turns out that William Brown and Ashley Kowalski are living in a sealed capsule in Moscow. And they are doing an experiment for NASA of what uh, it would be like to maybe perhaps live in Mars or on a different planet. And so they have been sealed. They have no information from the outside world at all. But this is a cooperative program with the Russians. It is, yes. Right? So the Russians have two or three people or more in this capsule capsule yep uh i did read where they can get letters but i i don't know <laughs> can they uh, how long have they been in and how long do they have to go they are um to emerge uh in july they went in in november they get out in july and their only form of contact with the outside world as tim said is letters that are uploaded now, to the server now i think i saw a twilight zone episode did you <laughs> no this is the old show in the yeah, 60s yeah, yeah. Where Burgess Meredith played a guy who loved to read, and he would go down into the on his lunch hour 
into the stacks. I remember that one. Everyone, his wife mocked him. Everyone mocked him for reading, and he went down and to read on his lunch hour. And when he came up, the world had been destroyed by a nuclear war. Yeah. And his reaction was, I know this may sound bizarre, but his reaction was, I'm finally alone. I can spend the rest <laughs> of my life reading. And he drops his glasses and steps on them. And they break. By mistake, and they break. And he's blind without them. And he's blind without them. <laughs> but that's when you were talking about the fact that, that they were sequestered like yeah. this. I thought, there's a war going on. What? They're going to come out. They're not going to know what happened. Also, also the International Space Station <laughs> I know. is made up of like three Americans and three Russians. Right. Yeah. They're, they're up there. That must be a good time right now. <laughs> yeah, they're up there circling the earth, you know. Awkward. Well, listen, I, I don't I, – listen. Uh, reasonable people do not blame the Russian people right. for what Vladimir Putin, who is de facto a dictator, is doing. Except to the extent that they did vote for him to be their leader, but then you have to question, you know, you have to – as 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 – as if somebody gets elected four, five, six times, quote, elected, uh, then you have to say, well, who ran against them? Right. What kind of uh, voting system do you have to uh, prevent, you know? Uh, the fraud? same same old side from winning? You know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. There was another another Twilight Zone episode I remember where this uh, gentleman found the ability to stop time, just could stop, freeze the world. Uh, the world was go heading toward nuclear war, and, and he was uh, scared, and so he froze time, and you saw, I mean, they just stopped the camera. Everybody was just frozen in time, and there was a nuclear bomb that was about 20 feet off the ground getting ready to explode. So if he ever went back to real time, it was done. He was vaporized. Oh. Guys, I, I mean no disrespect. I'd like to talk Twilight Zone all, I know, right? all, all, all day, but y'all gonna have to quit saying nuclear bombs. Nuclear bombs. <laughs> nuclear true. bombs. I mean, okay. Uh, I don't think we want to hear any more about that. Um, I wanted to talk about. Uh, there's a. You guys know Goya Food. This oh yes. This is the uh, Mexican food uh, brand that is in their. Um, in our, it's in our all over the stores. place. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, this guy, the guy who's the CEO, his name is Robert Unanwe, and he is a uh, he's a Christian. He was on Fox this morning talking about um, the Russians have used they're they're starting to use children. They he says or the evidence says in the war there's there's um, uh, children being used like there's orphans and there's such. But he he has an interesting thought about why Russia would conscript children in in the war this is uh robert yunanwe uh cut four if we can justify abusing and exploiting children in the womb then we can justify exploiting and abusing children out of the womb we are not valuing life we are moving away from god we need to move closer to god to value life and with all the great people in the world there is hope that all this good can overcome all the evil in the world. And again, evil, like Einstein said, evil is the absence of God. Darkness is the absence of light. And we need to be those beacons of light and change this thing around. 
Hmm. What's he talking about? I hadn't heard that. What do you mean children are being conscripted? Well, Goya said that children are fighting in this war. Now, I don't know if they're fighting like I think there's very, very young men. Yeah. Oh, that's what he's talking about. Yes. Oh, you mean that the Russians are using? Yes. Uh, Some of them have been captured. You may have seen some of the videos. He's probably talking about 17, 18, 19-year-olds. Yes. And calling them children. And, And, you know... Obviously, those are that's the age that most countries, you know, draft and use for war. Mm-hmm. But in in a in a lot of ways, they, you know, haven't fully grown and matured. What's your next story, Steve? Let's talk about uh, the number of people that are dying. Of uh, we are finding a link between the vaccine and heart problems, and this has been documented. Um, I read a number this morning that there are 108 professional soccer players that have dropped dead on the pitch right on the field as they're playing. Um, In how long? Over the the last year. Over the last year. And uh, this morning they were talking with, uh, I came across an interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. He was on a webinar. And he was talking a little bit about the reason that that might happen. Listen to Cut 10. It may be uh, a trigger that there may be catecholamines that trigger uh, the cardiac death that we're seeing in these athletes. Notice that the myocarditis deaths seem to occur in athletes on the field. We're seeing scores of young men in uh, in Europe uh, and elsewhere. What is uh, catecholamine and, and how does it trigger? That's your stress uh, hormone. So that's epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine. That's your adrenaline. So when you exercise, Patrick, you should have a surge of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But when you have a surge of adrenaline and you have vaccine-induced myocarditis, what Kajigani says is that's what triggers the sudden death. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the athletes. Mm. Wow. Well, I do know uh, a few months ago, maybe three or four months ago, Spain and Germany think it was it may have been other countries in europe they banned the moderna vaccine for males 30 and under for this for the for the heart i call it heart inflammation myocarditis it, yeah. is it that is it the same thing am yeah, I, am it's I, okay. the sack around the heart okay so they were finding that now it was a tiny percentage of people i think they were saying but still, it was enough for even uh, those two countries, to, or maybe more countries in Europe, to to say, "Wait a minute, we're not going to we're not going to allow that particular vaccine to be used with uh, thirty and under." So it's just, I guess, time will have to tell, and people will have to do studies and research. If you even even uh, it more so than uh, what Doctor McCullough is talking about there, but Doctor McCullough is very respected. Yes. If he says it, I believe it, you know, and right. so he's talking about that. Scandinavian countries at this point, yeah. Scandinavian? Yes. Ha- have prohibited Moderna? They are um, discouraging the use of Moderna's uh, vaccine for those under 30. 30 years old, yeah. yeah. All right, so we are just about out of time. We Well, there's the music, so that means we are out of time. We thank you for listening to AFR. Steve, appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, thanks to Fred and Ed and all the other people. Uh, Brent Creeley, our producer, Chris Woodward, and the other folks who were with us today. And we thank you for listening to American Family Radio. Well, Professor Ed and yours truly will be back with JJ 
Jasper tomorrow for Trivia Friday. We'll see you back here then. Have a great day, everybody.